0: This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Yob ConvoCast, conversations with people within your other brother's who make this community tick, who make this thing go round and round and round. My name's Tom, I am the co-founder, editor of Yab. And it's always exciting when we have a new person to introduce to the world. I love introducing people to the world, it's so fun. Um, this person reached out to me recently with a topic in mind and it's a topic that has been mentioned at least once or twice in our community. So I'm excited to explore with him today coming to us from the other side of the country to a place that I adore. It's our other brother, Andrew. What's up, Andrew? Hey Tom,
1: I'm so glad that I'm here, finally. You made it Exciting
0: to the Yab virtual studio. One day maybe you'll be in the physical studio, but you're in the virtual Zoom studio for today, which is just as good.
1: This is good good enough
0: for me, you know, I've made it. I've made it in the Yab world, so I'm, I'm good. Absolutely. You've been in the Yob world for a good chunk of time now. And so I'm excited that you're here with us today. I'm excited to talk with you, brother.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been four years. Um, I was a pandemic baby. So
0: awesome. Pandemic baby. We have a lot of those in our community. What was it like back then when you found Yob? Like, tell us a quick
1: little origin story. (laughs) Uh, It was like the wild, wild west, you know, (laughs) there's chaos in the streets. There was a toilet paper was, was running out and everyone was just losing it. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? I need some gay brothers. And so I found (laughs) y'all. That's
0: right. Yeah. I mean, you weren't the only one. We, we got a good following. We had some virtual events that year. And then were you there for the, the, I think you were right. The first retreat we had after, after COVID. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't after COVID, but after the worst of COVID. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was a fun time. There was a lot of COVID babies. You were, you were, in good numbers there Yes. that <laughs> That
1: first retreat will always have a special place in my heart.
0: It will in mine too. Honestly, yeah, it was a, it was a fun it was a fun event. Tell us anything else about yourself that the listening audience should know.
1: Oh gosh, okay. Uh, well, I'll try and keep this brief then. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so so I live in San Diego. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. I've been in San Diego for about a year. So shout out to the SoCal boys and the Midwest yobbers. Um, I'm an Enneagram too. Uh, and I like to think of myself as a stereotypical gay. Um, so <laughs> I like fashion, art, design, you know, all that stuff.
0: So you, you would contrast with Matt. Matt's a plain old gay, but you're a stereotypical.
1: Yes. Yes. A stereotypical Very different gay. from that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I'm also asexual. So I specifically identify as homo-romantic asexual, which means I'm romantically attracted to men specifically. Yeah. So which is going to enter our conversation today
0: um, because I have a similar inclination, a similar identification. So we're going to discuss that in our conversation today. So you mentioned being in San Diego and being with the Cali boys. I visited you guys last year. This was a trip I had been wanting to make for years and years and years and years. Um, And it finally worked out on the way to Alaska. I stopped over with you. I think I talked about this on the podcast with Daniel or Keegan. I don't know. They all... They all run together. It makes me happy though that we're slowly getting all of you guys on the podcast. So spread the word to your to your Cali boyfriends to to, to come on this podcast and talk to me. Um, but no, I visited y'all and I had such a fun time. Like my one of my favorite things was was going on this famed beach hike with you guys because I've seen the pictures and I've heard the stories that you got. You guys, whenever people visit, you take them on this insane beach hike. Yeah. somewhere in San Diego like on the coast and and you like go down little tunnels and ravines and to get to the to get to the bottom to, you start out at the top on this cliff and then you go on the bottom on the beach um, and then you go past is it Alicia Keys's house whose house yes. is it someone- <laughs>
1: Alicia Keys
0: yeah <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to pick the wrong female pop star I don't know who it is um but yeah and then we go past her house and then she and then we're going down there and so that was that was a big fun part of my trip that I felt like okay I finally Can check that off my yob bucket list that I that I got to to go on this hike with you guys. But then another of my favorite things, which was so random, was you, me, and another yobber. We went to this like little speakeasy at like late at night. It was like he asked, I think he put it out there. Like, do you, just, how, how comfortable are you going somewhere different or something something <laughs> like vague and mysterious, which tugged on all of my heartstrings? Cause I, I was like, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for a unique experience. And so like we dress up, you let me use one of your shirts. Cause I only had limited clothing yes. with me. And so you let me use one of your fashionable shirts, which I appreciated. <laughs> and then we went like down this dark alley and past some dumpsters. And there's like a side door on this like nondescript building and there's no sign out front. And he like knocks on the door a certain number of times. I'm like, what is this place? Where are you taking me? <laughs> I, was, I was getting a little fret, not frightened, but I was, I was getting very curious. Like I need to know what's happening soon because this is very out of the ordinary. I don't usually knock on strange doors late at night. Um, but no, we went in, it was just this, it was a very cozy little bar set up and, um, and we just had a, a, some good times there just enjoying conversation, enjoying a couple drinks. And that was That was a fun, memorable experience that I got to spend with you two. So I appreciated that. What was your recollection of that night? I assume you'd been there before.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite speakeasies in San Diego. So Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that we were able to go. Um, I'm really mad that I didn't get a picture of you in my shirt because I mentioned it to people. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It didn't happen. I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Did we not not get a picture that night? We didn't, no. Which is such a such a, a missed opportunity it is it really is
0: but honestly would you rather have a picture or would you rather have it immortalized forever on a podcast like
1: I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good that's a good point that's a good point
0: <laughs> I mean I'm confirming that you did indeed lend me your shirt and I used it and it was great
1: I mean I appreciated the gesture <laughs> I appreciate that thank you however I will say this there's you can't listen to a podcast I mean technically you can't but you know you having a picture. You can look at that picture like 10 years from now, it's like midnight. You're just in, you're in your fields. You're looking through old pictures. You're like, oh, I remember when that happened. And you know, you just shed a tear and it's just a beautiful moment. So,
0: <laughs> And shout out, shout out to this other yabber if he's listening, because he actually at this past retreat gave me one of his shirts because I liked it so much. It had all these birds on it, which of course were sparrows, um, whether they're actually <laughs> biologically sparrows or not, but we called them sparrows. And so he gave me his little sparrow shirt at the, at the retreat and I still have it and I still wear it. So we are bonded by shirts. Yes, the brotherhood of the traveling shirts in this community, <laughs> in this at least amongst the three of us. So yes, and, and he loves bringing up that story too. So mm, nice. you made an yeah. impression. <laughs> well, next time, next time I visit Andrew and you let me dress up in your clothes again, um, we can take a picture to prove it. <laughs> Make right. it last all night. right. <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy going back to that speakeasy. That was fun. That was a nice cozy. Like I'm not a big like loud, raucous bar. Environment person, so that was just so quiet and intimate, and yeah, that was perfect. So I, I really enjoyed enjoyed that trip. Yeah. It was good times. It was yeah, a trip that I wanted to make for a while, and so now here we are on a podcast, and Andrew, we're talking about the esteemed Netflix show Heartstopper today.
1: Ugh. Yes, a show that's near and dear to my and heart. And <laughs> just, not just you,
0: so many in our community. You know, I remember when this show first came out or when the second season came out at least, you know, there was a flurry of discussion about it on Discord. Um, like, I heard about it. I saw people posting about it. I didn't really read too much into it because I didn't want to be spoiled. I figured I would watch it eventually. So I just kind of skipped all the conversation about the show. Um, and then it came up last summer during our Sexuality ConvoCast series our dear brother, Keegan, shout out to another SoCal boy. He brought up this show in his episode. And he talked about being bisexual and how there was a scene in the show where one of the characters is watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean Pirates of the Caribbean (laughs) Caribbean. I guess you pronounce it that way whatever (laughs) so he's watching that movie and then wrestling with that attraction for both the male lead and the female lead and like what what do I do with attraction that's going in multiple directions right now Um, and it was like the running joke then of the rest of the sexuality combo cast series because it kept coming up multiple times I think at least three or four more times that Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean scene would come up and we would discuss it and laugh about it. And some people would resonate with it. And, um, and so I was watching this show. I finally watched it in preparation for this podcast that I'm doing with you. And that I completely forgot that that scene was in the first season and, and I just was taken back to last summer's series and Keegan's episode and all those conversations. It's it suddenly made sense to me. I suddenly remembered, oh yeah, that scene that was mentioned, and now I'm watching it and living it out and partaking in this series that so many in our community have enjoyed. So, um, so it feels it feels um, fulfilling now to be on the other side of it, and I know what happened and I know what's gone on in these two seasons, and we're going to discuss that yeah.
1: today. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So, yeah.
0: Well, let me let me read the synopsis. So, so I will say right at the top like this is going to be spoiler heavy. So, there's no way to talk about this show and just like not talk about what happened in the show. So, so I will say at the top if this is a show that interests you after I read the description, which doesn't spoil anything, but after I read the description, if this is a show you might want to check out, maybe like don't listen to this episode. Maybe don't delete the episode, but save it. Watch the show first and then come back and listen to what we're about to say about it. How how does that sound?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a reward for finishing the show. You know, you get to listen <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> so, podcasts.
0: So yeah, in the next thirty seconds, I'll read the description. Then you can pause it, and then you can watch the show, and then you can come back and listen to the rest of the show. All right. So, Heartstopper is the story of two British teens, Nick Nelson and Charlie Spring, at an all boys grammar school. Charlie, a high, strong, openly gay overthinker, and Nick, a cheerful, soft hearted rugby player one day are made to sit together in class. Their friendship quickly becomes something more for openly gay Charlie, but he initially doesn't believe he has a chance with Nick. But love works in surprising ways with Nick more interested in Charlie than either of them realized. Heartstopper is about love, friendship, and loyalty. It encompasses all the small stories of Nick and Charlie's lives that together make something larger. And I would add a PS onto that, thinking that when I first started the show that it was only gonna be about these two boys, it's actually like as the show continues, it keeps zooming out and zooming out, and it focuses on all of their friends. Like, I don't know, Andrew, is this the gayest show you've ever seen? There are so many gay people
1: <laughs> or LGBT people. Yes. It's like every
0: character, there's only one straight person in this whole show, I think. I think there's only one straight
1: person. Right. Even the ally turns out to be gay at the end. So, you know,
0: <laughs> I'm just like, I was just like, okay, so there's Charlie and Nick. And then there's a trans girl named Elle and Tao. And then there's Darcy and Tara who are in a lesbian relationship. And then there's Isaac who we're gonna reserve for the end of our conversation. And our listeners will learn why when we get there. And there's
1: Um, the two teachers. Don't forget about the two teachers.
0: teachers. (laughs) You know, let's just go right there. When I saw the two (laughs) teachers having these little moments together, I was like, oh my gosh, please. I cannot deal with the teachers also being gay. I need need, like some stuff. Cause it was weird. I was like thinking like, what if those were my teachers? Like, I don't want to think about my teachers in a sexual way. Like, I was like, the last thing I want to think about while I'm watching this show are two of my teachers who are on a field trip as chaperones, and they have their own hotel room, and God knows what's happening behind those closed doors on the field trip. Like, that's what where my <laughs> mind was going. So, yes, even the two teachers in the show, they're gay as well. So, um, lots of LGBT to go around, both amongst the youths and the adults in the room as well. Um, I don't know. It read, I so I was an English major in school and this read like a Shakespearean play almost because in Shakespeare, all of the characters, like by, if it's a comedy, all of the shake, all of the males and females have a partner that they match up with. And that's kind of how this show goes. It's like, there's a male and there's, or if there's a male, there's a female, or there's two females or two males or whatever the combination is. There's a romantic partner for pretty much everybody in this show as it continues. Um, and so it's very Shakespearean in that, um, that just like structural setup which which honestly was like predictable and so it got more interesting towards the end when that necessarily isn't the case for for one of the characters and so um so yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit but what are your thoughts just on these romantic pairings i wanted to 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 analyze them with you, either the Charlie Nick combination or the L tau or Darcy Tara, or if there's any other things I took a lot of notes. So I've got a lot of things to draw from to, to, but I wanted to hand it over to you first.
1: Yeah. Well, I also have a lot of notes, so (laughs) (laughs) we could be here a while. (laughs) Um, But I think what just kind of overarching, I think my favorite thing about the show is like, yes, it focuses on romantic relationships, but it also focuses on the friendships, like the scene with with Charlie and Tao and the locket, I, I bawled. I was so, uh, mm-hmm. it was so good. Uh, I guess we can start with Charlie. And Nick. Yeah, let's start with Charlie and Nick, the two main characters. I don't know. I just really appreciate that they're both such supportive boyfriends um, and they like complement each other so well and they kind of like help each other in the areas they need to work on. So, like, Nick helps with, you know, Charlie with his eating disorder and he helps him, you know, with Ben and it's, it's, You can tell that they obviously there's there's they're friends and they're also romantic, you know, so it's it's a nice balance.
0: Yeah, something about this show that I appreciated was like so many real life struggles, like because the the eating disorder doesn't come into play like after a season and a half. I think it takes a while for that storyline to develop. And and something I also appreciate, which is such like a Gen Z perspective is the constant social media and the constant texting whenever, whenever someone's texting somebody and there's the little three bouncing dots, but then, but then words don't come. And there's like this, this, this like holding your breath moment, waiting to see what, what are they going to say? And that's just such a, uh, a gen. I mean, it's a millennial thing too, or or anybody who has a phone now, but it's like um, they did a good job of like tapping into the, the social pressures and the angst that comes with these devices. Now. Also, I was like, all these kids just use Instagram to communicate. They're like all, they're all on Instagram. And that's all they use it. Like did Instagram, did Mark Zuckerberg pay for this show? Or like, what, what is going on with all the kids in this show just using, like they don't even text. They all use Instagram messaging and they post on Instagram. It's just like, I was like, okay. I don't know if that's, is that accurate? Are all the kids on Instagram now? Aren't they using Snapchat? I feel like they're using Snapchat or they're using TikTok or I don't know, I don't know what they're using right now, but
1: anyway. Yeah, Snapchat Snapchat's old news. I think it's TikTok. I, I think Instagram's on its way out too. So, you know. yeah, I was like, I don't know what these kids are doing. But
0: but no, I mean they talk I, they just get into all the real life issues, the coming out, anxiety, coming out to yourself. We have characters in the show, that are struggling to come out with themselves and then by extension to their families, to their friends. Um and I think that that is something that like like it's it's really like refreshing to watch something and to see something familiar, because I think I wanted to get your thoughts on this too. Like, cause I get, I get the sense that there are Christians out there, maybe even Christians listening to this show right now, um, or even in our community who would, who would are curious about this topic and this exploration that we're doing on this show, because like there's gay kisses happening, like, Every ten minutes in this show, like it's it's very <laughs> that that is that is like very present in this show, and so that could be distracting for a lot of people. And there's not going to be any judgment for me if, if it's like not something that's going to be beneficial for somebody out there watching, because you're going to see gay kisses happening pretty frequently. But um, but there is something encouraging, and there's something refreshing to see characters going through things that you've gone through, that I've gone through. And to, to like feel a sense of reassurance, like, oh, okay, me too. Like I understand, I understand that anxiety of coming to grips with your sexuality or telling your mom or telling your dad or telling your best friend or your friend group. Um, and it's stuff like that, that cons- consistently happens throughout the show that keeps me invested, despite whatever disconnect there might be on the romantic side of things or the faith journey that I'm, that I'm leading. How did you, yeah. How did you relate with this show from that, I guess from that moral standpoint or a spiritual standpoint? Yeah.
1: Um, I, I agree. I think, specifically like Tara and Darcy's relationship, there was the uh, one of the subplots was like um, how exhausting it is to be out and to be that vulnerable with everybody. And I, I really related to that, you know, because it's like, oh, it's it's so often um, glamorized, like, oh, yeah, once you come out, like everything's great. And they don't actually deal with the after effects like, oh, now you have to explain to people now you have to like deal with this, the weird comments. Now you have to, you know, so I thought I really appreciated that they kind of took that aspect of it too. Um, but yeah, as far as like just show in general, like it it was, there was a wide variety of reactions to people coming out. There was a wide variety of ways that people came out. And and so I thought it was just really good, the, the you know, the variety, like you can find representation in um, any of those. So I thought it was yeah. good.
0: One of the things I love about the show are the little animations that happen throughout the show. Cause I guess this book yes. this book was like a graphic novel, I guess. Is that what's do you know the mm-hmm. backstory on how this how this show came to be? It was like books, novel graphic novels, I guess, before Netflix yeah. snatched
1: it up. It was graphic novels.
0: Yeah. And then they decided to turn it into a Netflix yeah. show. That's that's about yeah. all yeah. I know. Well they I'm assuming I'm assuming it's a connection to graphic novels because there's all these little animations that happen throughout the show, especially when the characters are connecting. Um, and one of my favorites are like, there's like multiple, this is, it happened at least five or six times, maybe more than that, where like characters are sitting next to each other and their hands are next to each other and their fingers are like grazing each other. <laughs> and you see these little, yes. you see these little lightning bolts or you you hear the little sizzling, um, like a little spark sound that happens whenever people's fingertips are grazing and they're sitting close to each other. Um and I just thought that's a nice little little touch because you're you're getting inside these people's hearts. It's like it's a uh, it's an extra little uh extra little effect there that I appreciated.
1: Yes. And I love the little the little heart crushes, the crush hearts that mm. kind of just pop. Like I love those. They're just so yeah, cute. Yeah,
0: I, I enjoy the animation. It makes it unique um to this to this whole show. Yeah. Um I wanted to get your thoughts on some fashion tips because you're a very fashionable. Person. you're wearing a great shirt right now i've worn your shirt in the past you're very w- well dressed in general you're one of the most well-dressed if not the well-dressed person that comes to our retreats so um shout out to andrew's andrew's fashion sense so like yeah <laughs> the first okay i don't i'm curious if you felt the same way the whole first season i'm like Tao's hair needs to go this hair yes
1: <laughs> I hated it <laughs> so much <laughs>
0: I was like I hope season two rolls around and they sh- they like give him a glow up and they do something and I was like praise the lord he had a sharp haircut so for anyone that's watching season one and Tao's hair is stressing you out don't worry there's a light at the end of the tunnel but <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone. I was worried I was going to talk to you and be like, no, I loved it. It was, I love how it frilled out. It was just very frilly and like, I don't know. It was, it was not my, my, not my favorite look.
1: No, I just had a conversation with my coworkers about male grooming habits and they were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So I'm very passionate about that. Okay. Okay. I just (laughs) wanted to make sure.
0: What are your thoughts on all the fanny packs in this show? I mean, the kids are wearing fanny packs now. Are you pro fanny pack? Anti fanny pack? What's the what's the where do you land on the fanny pack
1: as someone who lived through the 90s i am very much Mm -hmm. anti-fanny pack Um, as we
0: talked about with matt gen z is bringing everything back from the 90s
1: so (laughs) right right and it's fanny packs are very european like they're very trendy so from that perspective i'm like okay you know what you can work it i just just don't make me wear one you know all right so that that's that's my thought too like part of me is resistant
0: to it part of me feels like for the vibe that it was setting in Europe, this takes place in Europe. So like it felt a little more forgiving over there versus if this was an American American school possibly. And then I don't know if you noticed this or cared about this, but Nick's ties are very short. They don't go like to his belly button and it just bothered, it was like, though his ties need to be like an inch longer or an inch and a half longer. I don't know yes. if you picked up on that yes. or if anyone else out there cares, but that was another fashion sense thing that I needed to vo- I needed to vocalize.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it was one of those things that I didn't really notice until like halfway through season two. And then I was like, oh no, this is going to bother me. And so it bothered me the whole time i rewatched the show. I'm like, no, I can't stand okay, this. Okay, <laughs> very nice. Um, there's
0: also a character I wanted to bring up named Ben. And so at the start of the show, Ben is romantically, physically involved with Charlie. I don't know if they would have used the language of boyfriends. They're kind of like this secret secret hookup thing that was happening. And Ben, throughout the show, is someone who's closeted, and he's trying to figure out his sexuality. Um, and as the show goes on, there's an opportunity for Charlie to forgive Ben. And there's also there's another bully, because he also takes on the role of a bully as the show goes on, as, as far as him coming to grips with his sexuality and like fake dating a girl and, um, constantly like having eyes on Charlie and Nick and experiencing jealousy, no doubt. Um, and there's another bully who's just this typical straight doofus named what's his name? Harry, I think. Uh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think that's his name. I think that's his name. Um, so yeah, there's these like two bully figures. Um, and there's an opportunity that they could, he could have been invited to a party that they were having when they went on this field trip to Paris and Charlie in both instances, there's an opportunity to extend the olive branch, or to the, the the branch had been extended to him and he had an opportunity to forgive and welcome in and he did not do that and he turned them away and there was part of me that was like a little like i get it like he's learning he's like standing up for himself like that's that's one part of the message that i don't want to deny but then there's like the the christian part of me that's like no charlie you need to forgive you need to let go (laughs) of this anger and maybe that's coming my hope is that in season three or season four however long this show goes that there's like a forgiveness moment where where it finally resolves and there's like forgiveness and these kids can like go move on in life but but I I felt I felt a little like hurt that the forgiveness wasn't extended to these bully these bully boys.
1: Yeah, I I kind of had that same the same thought. I was like, oh, it's so satisfying. Like is, I yeah. I was so excited when it happened. But it yeah, you're like, oh, as a Christian, yes, you should be forgiving them. But also Ben needs to get his stuff together because you know he's ruining everybody's life. So it's he 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 had it coming. I
0: have an unhealthy attraction for this Ben character, but we'll just move on. <laughs> I find him endearing. I want him to figure out. I want him to figure himself out and be a, a a shining beacon of a human being. But he's just not there yet. He's in process, but there's there's grace for the journey, right? Hopefully, that's right. Exactly. Uh, hopefully, yeah. That's a little a little snapshot of some of the characters. Uh, let me see. Anything from your notes from all the other characters? Andrew before we dive into our final character.
1: Yes, I did have two two things I wanted to to say. Um one Olivia Coleman is the mother that I wish I had. I love her so much in this show. She Nick's mother? <laughs> she is Nick's, Nick's mom, yeah.
0: Why do you love her so much? Anything in particular?
1: Ugh, because she's just so nice. She's loving, like she's genuinely supportive of Nick and I don't know, she's just She's a fantastic character.
0: Yeah, she's like a single mom. The dad is kind of a douchey dad who doesn't see the kids and lives across the pond. Across the pond? Across the channel, I guess, over there is what it would be from, from <laughs> England to Paris. Um, but yeah, no, she's fantastic as her son. As her son comes out by, that was something we didn't talk about, but like it gave me a little glimpse into the window because I don't know that window of what it's like to be attracted to women but then also have this attraction to men that's like also simultaneously there like it was very it was it was interesting to see it on on uh play out in a screen because i don't think i'd ever seen like a bisexual coming out story to my knowledge at least that clearly Mm -hmm. articulated um as it is in this show so that was very illuminating it kind of gave more context to yeah keegan's and alex's and some of our other conversations that we had uh last year about bisexuality yeah
1: yeah Mm -hmm. definitely um and then i really liked l's character um specifically how she just she wasn't just a token trans character but that she actually had other things that she was dealing with and struggling with so you know getting into art school or you know her relationship with tao like it it really added a lot of dimension to her character and i feel like that's just you know everybody wants that whether they're how they identify it's like oh i want a character who's not just like the, the ace character who is very two-dimensional and their their whole struggle is just being this or whatever. So it was, it was nice that they had some nuance with her. It's nice that we've reached a point where shows and movies are more focused on queer joy. Because it's like, I feel like a movies from the last decade were very much like, oh, it's so horrible being, you know, a sexual minority or a gender minority. And like, it's just depressing. Uh-huh. And, and so now it's like, oh, there's actually some some happiness here so that I did appreciate that's true and there's also a lot of uh
0: struggle to go around with all the gay boys in this story and so like it's kind of nice when you have this character (laughs) who's thriving and doing well as an art student and everything yeah yeah Yeah. I also love that there is a female character in the show named Imogen can you even Imogen
1: what is that (laughs) as as somebody who's fav, one of my favorite artists, musical artists is Imogen Heap. I am very excited. <laughs> like, well, the first time I saw her name,
0: I was like, wait, th- it, her name is not Imogen. That cannot be real. Is that a real name? Or Do people name their children Imogen? But the main character, Andrew, to close our time together, I wanted to focus on was Isaac, who I actually, I didn't know anything about this show. I didn't know anything about these characters. And so the whole first season comes and goes. And there's just this other guy that's there in the friend group. And like, he's always just reading a book. He's just kind of the, the extra character who needs to say something, you know, cause there's, there can only be so many people in the room. And so like, I was like, I was wondering, like I had a conscious thought. I was like, huh, I wonder what's up with that guy. What's his story. Are they going to like devote any time to him? Or is he just there as like a, a wallflower, just who's just there. Um, and then as season two develops and unfolds, you start to see like, there's an, like you clearly see that he's gay and he's attracted to this other boy. And they're like having a little fling together, a little darting eyes with one another. Um, but then there's a moment where the boy kisses him and the reaction is like very hollow and very confused and very, um, doesn't know what to do with it. And so we then learn towards the end of the season that there's like an art exhibit and he sees a book on asexuality and it kind of like, um, we start to see the little animations go off. So we know something's happening there because he has this affinity for this art project that's focused on asexuality and this book in the library that's on asexuality. And so we start to learn that this is, this is part of his identity and part of his story. Um, and you mentioned at the top that you identify as asexual and I am somewhere on that spectrum as well. And so I'm curious, yeah, your your response to this character and this, this concept of asexuality in this sexually, romantically supercharged show that is Heartstopper.
1: Well, I'm just gonna say, I have very mixed feelings about Isaac. Um, so, I, I do love how he's very anti-drama. He's just like this there's several points in the season. When he's just like, no, we're not dealing with this' and he that he just shuts it down. Um, and it's, I mean, I love Ace representation. That's always cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just feels like he, I don't know. um so I, there I had two main issues with him, I think. So the first one is that he was kind of like this shy, awkward, bookish type which um there's nothing wrong with that but i feel like that's a very can be a common asexual stereotype of like oh you know this this virgin who you know is just kind of shy and weird and like that's why they don't have they're asexual because they're just like uncomfortable or whatever you know and it's like i'd really like to see somebody who's like fun and fashionable and like the life of the party is an ace character you know right um so that, I think that was my first issue. Um, and then my second issue was that he, he kind of, he was arrow ace. So aromantic, asexual, which again is fantastic, is phenomenal. Um, but I w- I kind of did some research into like asexual characters in mainstream media. And most of them are either straight, uh, heteroromantic, or they are arrow ace. And I'm like, it would have been nice for him to be a homo romantic asexual, because I don't think we've seen those in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him to be like, oh yeah, there's this boy, and then that not really go anywhere. It was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I guess I don't get to see myself on screen, you know, kind of All a right. thing. Um and it made me so sad that he was always relegated to being like the third wheel or the fifth wheel or whatever, you know, <laughs> just like, no, he needs a friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, The where I started to connect the dots was like they were having a party in a room and you could just see him, he was reading a book and he looked over, over his shoulder and there's two people over there and he looks this way and there's two people over there and he's just by himself and he goes out into the hallway by himself. I was sort of teased by it because you had mentioned something about ace, you called it ace erasure. Um, what, do you, what do you mean by that when you say ace erasure?
1: So I, I don't know if that would necessarily apply to Isaac's character specifically, but um, I think ace erasure is either like explaining away their asexuality by like, oh, well, they're just, they just haven't experienced sex before. And so that's why they're acting like this or, you know, whatever, or um, kind of using it as a problem to be fixed um, or just not even including it, you know. Um, and i also in my research i found less than 20 ace characters that were in mainstream media from you know the last 20 years and there were only like a handful that were actually specifically mentioned in canon like oh this character's ace like they they say hey i'm asexual or whatever you know most of them were like somebody on Twitter or like at a comic con panel is like, Oh yeah, I think of them as being asexual, you know? And that's like, like Gandalf? that's, that's a cop out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Gandalf or
0: Dumbledore or, you know, the wizard, the, the gay wizard stereotype.
1: Right. Exactly. Or SpongeBob. SpongeBob. You know? It's like, okay.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> that's great. But like, no, and I, I feel you. Cause like, I don't know, I'm curious to see. I'm assuming there's going to be more series, more more shows to to develop these characters. So I'm curious where they where they go from there because I haven't read the books or anything. I don't know if it's drawing directly from the book matter or if it's separate from from that storyline, but um but yeah, I mean there's something a little like you said, like it was it was cool to see a little bit of representation to be a someone on screen that's not as much into the culture around him as far as the hooking up and the constant pairing up with people. Like there was, a, I cheer for him so much when he like confronted his friends, he was just like, why, why do I have to like this person yes. back? Why do I have to have somebody like all of you have somebody Yeah, paraphrasing? But so that was, that was cool to see. But then, but then there's like the flip side of that kind of like you were saying, I was like, Oh, but then like, so is he just like attracted to books? Is that, is that like his, his, right, his Is right, yeah. like he just has like a <laughs> stack of books and that's just, he's always reading like, cool. I love reading too. But like, is that is that what he has to live for in this life, which is just reading um, or being the fifth wheel? Like, yeah, is there is there something more in store for his character? So I don't know. I hope that I hope that there is. I hope there's more more dimensionality for him because because yeah, it was it is interesting to, now that you mention it to like not see more um, representation about asexuality or aromanticism in in these in everything in shows and books in movies and to to see something of ourselves because we have a good number um in our community that feel similarly. And so it's it is interesting to bring up in this in this conversation about this show.
1: Right. And I feel like kind of going back to previously what I said to kind of explain it a little bit better. Um I think the issue that I had with him being arrow ace was because when people think about asexuality, they think of someone who's arrow ace like, oh, they're not attracted romantically or sexually to anybody. And which is fine. That's part of the A spectrum. But it's the, the problem that I run into all the time is people who are like, okay, so you're asexual, then how are you gay? You know? Right. And so there's not a lot of discussion around like romantic attraction or things like that. So that was, I think that was kind of my main source of disappointment, not that he was arrow ace, but that they just kind of went to the default and didn't really, they could have taken it so much further. Right. I think you and I are
0: very similar. Um, as far as I, I have never been sexually attracted. I've never had sex. I've never wanted to have sex. But I get the little heart, I get the little heart flutters and electric, electric shock animations whenever um, I'm around certain guys. Like I've experienced that plenty of times. And so I think there absolutely is a romantic component to my sexuality, in addition to just being physically or emotionally attracted to men. Um, like I think there definitely is a romantic component there, just not the sexual component. And so. Um yeah. yeah so no I'm I'm glad we're putting language to this because there might be people out there who don't have any context for asexuality and they just assume we're all robots right like we have no feelings or we have no <laughs> yeah no anything we just we're just kind of like circuits and wires and and don't have a heart <laughs> but I have a big heart and I know you have a big heart too and like um yeah it would be cool to to see more of that reflected in a show like this cuz again it feels like they they check all the boxes. There's like someone represented in every category. It feels like of the LGBT plus uh, acronym, and I'd be I'd be curious to see if they do anything more with this with this character, or if they introduce a new character in the future. I don't know. I'm I'm eager to follow where this show goes from here, though, because like I said at the top, it's just a show that taps into a lot of the just anxiety and a lot of the feelings and unique experiences that we don't see played out. Certainly not in Christian mediums, but like um but yeah just even in in general in general culture like it's it's always kind of a breath of fresh air to see something familiar that that you resonate with um and even one of the older one of the teachers who i was worried would be gay and there would be a gay teacher storyline um he said something to the effect of like (laughs) because one of the teachers came out when he was young and then the other one didn't get to come out until his mid-20s i think he said in the show um, mm-hmm. and that there was a lot of lost life, like a lot of lost living. And that's, I know that's something that I resonate with because mm-hmm. I didn't go to these parties and I didn't have dates and I didn't have, um, kind of that, that <laughs> stereotypical high school experience, at least from a romantic standpoint with people. And so there's, there's part of me that's yeah. like resonating with stuff that I was feeling at the time, but now seeing it on screen, like there's a connection happening and, you know, I feel those little hearts and those little leaves circling around me as I'm watching yeah. watching this show. Any other
1: closing thoughts on Heartstopper? i completely off topic, but I watching this show made me feel like an adult um, because I, there were moments when I'm like, no, you can't do that. Like when they were running in the Louvre, I'm like, Stop, <laughs> don't run in the museum. Yeah. Be respectful. <laughs> or when Charlie's parents were like, you can't see Nick until you get your homework done. And he was all like, oh, this isn't fair and blah, blah, blah. And me and my friends who are watching, we were like, no, your parents are right. Do your dang homework. Get it done. <laughs> Your grades are more important than your romantic relationship. Or like, sometimes when there's shows like
0: these, when when like, yes, the, the stars are the kids. Like, I don't want to see the parents all the time. Like the kids are the stars of this show. But then there's part of me that's like, you know that your two same-sex teenagers are dating and you're just letting them go up into their bedroom and close the door or spend the night. Like, I don't know, I'm just a little like, where right. where's the parenting coming into play here? If they're like 15 years old, sometimes I wonder where the parents are when all of these all of these things are happening. They're, they're not like
1: regular parents they're, they're cool parents they're
0: cool. <laughs> she's a cool mom i'm <laughs> a oh, cool mom yeah but yeah no i don't know i also despite what i said earlier about there's like tons of kissing in the show it's also very like like there's nothing that that feels to use christianese that doesn't feel like a stumbling block like there's not like nudity or there's not like sexual scenes even like there's there's a moment where charlie and nick are together and there's like this moment are they going to go further but then there's this line that's been drawn and they they don't want to go too fast and so there's like a lot of restraint and a lot of maturity actually in the show too um you know you talk to anybody and you you could get a completely 180 different response like it's too lascivious or it's too much but then there's other ones who would be like <laughs> honestly yeah it, it taps into a lot of real life issues that that um i don't know it's cool to just see it reflected and so yeah i will be i'm a fan i will be watching whenever season three rolls around and we can follow up on oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I have a watch party. A Yab watch party.
0: Yeah. And I'll be able to keep up with the Discord discussion this time and know what's going on. Because <laughs> I just felt out of the loop whenever the, these se- seasons came out the last couple of years. So, So thanks for going over this with me, Andrew. It was fun.
1: Yeah, this was fun. I have more notes. I could have talked for another hour, but
0: you know. I know, I know. We only have so much time. This maybe the director's cut, extended cut, or we could <laughs> take a picture of your notes and we can attach it to this at, attach it to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners though, if you're out there listening and you've watched the show, now that you pause the episode, you watched all it's only 16 episodes, eight episodes a season. So it's very manageable. It's a very manageable watch. Um if you've seen the show, if you have thoughts on the characters, that thoughts on the romances, thoughts on the real life issues, thoughts on asexuality, we would love to hear what you have to say. Just go over to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the ConvoCast episode with Andrew and leave us your thoughts. Leave us your Heartstopper thoughts, which, by the way, I meant to mention at the top is happening during Love Month at Yob. We're talking about Uh, love, all things love related um, here in this month of February 2024. And so I was like, honestly, what better timing, Andrew, to have a conversation about a show called Heartstopper than during Love Month. It was ordained to be this way. (laughs) Uh, It worked out. Exactly. Maybe one day I'll visit and we'll do we'll just have a roundtable discussion about a topic. That would be fun. Ooh. That would be so much fun. Take take the microphone down past Alicia Keys's house, down to the beach and <laughs> have a picnic podcast. <sighs> That'd be fun.
1: <laughs> that would be so much fun. Just the ocean in the background. Uh, hear the know.
0: waves lapping in the background. That would be cool. It would be cool to bring the listeners in on some level of that journey. That would be cool. Right. An immersive podcast. Let's 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 table that. Let's uh let's let's potentially pray into that and see, <laughs> let's see what the future is. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, so good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks for helping me jump into this show. It was long overdue. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely. I'm more than happy to peer pressure somebody into watching Heartstoppers. So (laughs) thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Hopefully we peer pressured someone out there to give it a shot. And uh, like I said, give us your thoughts,
0: y'all. We'd love to hear. All right. Until we cast our next combo. Bye, friends. See you, Andrew. Bye. Bye. Something else I took notes on. I was like, "Why are there like only two adult chaperones for like a hundred sixteen-year-olds? Right. What is that about?"
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna let them loose in baris, you know. That's normal. The ratio
0: is severely off. I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think the numbers are correct there.